Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy on the show with me today. Tom will be a little bit late, so it'll be me and Brooks for the first hour or so. Uh, we will power through here. Fun show planned for you today, as always. Our f- great callers on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 888 tiger 9 4.30, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer to talk last regular season week for Auburn basketball and also to talk a little bit about spring football as that has arrived here on the Plains and at other college campuses. Uh, certainly the spring weather has already arrived uh, in this part of the country. So we'll talk to Ferg about some of that stuff and then also, as always, Nightly TV Guide and Birthdays and Sports. A few other kind of smaller items in the sports world always keeping you up today on some of the the news want to talk a little a little recruiting news but not in the traditional slant of who auburn is getting or who they're talking to or who anyone is talking to but a little bit of a change in the formula for one notable recruiting service so we'll talk a little bit about that and uh eventually i don't know if it'll be today or a little bit later this week uh we'll have to start talking a little bit about mlb spring training in the atlanta braves as we get set for another season of course, proud affiliate of the Braves Radio Network over on AM 1230 WAUD. You can listen to some spring training action on the weekends uh, for the next month on 1230 WAUD. But uh, we will, we'll have to start talking a little bit about that in the coming days as well. So a lot to get to today. Again, Ryan and Brooks for now. Tom, Tom will join us in a little bit. Uh, but Brooks, great to have you here. I hope you had a great weekend, sir. Yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend. Had the family in town for the weekend, so got to see the parents for a couple days. That was good to get to uh, to get to hang out with them. And then uh, yeah, big sports weekend this past weekend. Uh, as you said, Atlanta Braves spring training baseball got started on Saturday against the Red Sox, and that was the game that everybody got talking about. That ended on a three-two count. That was uh, batter didn't get back into the box in time, and it was called the third strike, and the game ended. And so you know the 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 that's been the big news going around uh, from this weekend. Braves also played the Yankees on Sunday. Both of those games were were on our airwaves over on our AUD, and then they had a game yesterday against the Blue Jays, which they won pretty decisively. And they had a game today against the the. Uh, the Twins that was not a win and little trouble brewed in the first inning for Ian Anderson, uh, one of the Braves uh, starting pitchers that is, has been with the rotation for a couple years. Didn't get out of the first inning. He had two-thirds of an inning in and was pulled in the middle of an at-bat, too. There was one pitch into an at-bat, and then Brian Snitger went out there and pulled him. So not the best of starts for Ian Anderson for spring training, but we'll see. You know, it's it's game one of spring training. We'll see how it works out. He's projected right now, I think, to still to be that number five starter. Uh, but 
if you know he keeps pitching as he did today, that that number five starting position could be up in the air. You know, Waskar Yanoa and Bryce Elder are two guys that are in that bullpen that also have starting capabilities. They they could work their way into it, but it's really early in spring training. We've had uh, baseball games on our TV here in the office for the past couple days too. Uh, ESPN's been doing their spring training. I think today it's the, the Astros and the Mets uh, going on today, and so. Uh, really, really excited baseball's back. And uh, Auburn baseball had a big weekend, so can't wait to talk about Auburn baseball. Can't wait to talk some Auburn football as we got spring practice started yesterday. Already a lot of chatter around the message boards uh, about the starting quarterback position one day into, into camp. And the only viewing window that the media got yesterday was individual drills, so it wasn't even anything of substance. And so, yeah, foot, football never ends in the SEC. We knew that, but Spring football's back here for the Tigers, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, a couple couple things there, Brooks. One uh, with that Braves game, want to let everyone know that uh, although we don't love the Braves losing at spring training, we can forgive it. Uh, Edwa Julian or <laughs> Julian, if uh, you heard the the broadcast today, but Edwa Julian hit uh, two home runs today for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I have no idea, admittedly, how close or not close he is to making the Twins roster, but obviously getting the play in spring training for Auburn Tiger hit a couple home runs against the Braves, for, so great for him. As you mentioned, you were uh, at spring practice yesterday uh, for the beginning of it and, again, did not get to see a ton of things. I think that uh, Hugh Freeze uh, mentioned that the sixth practice, which would come around mid-March, would be the yeah. first one that they would try and scrimmage. Uh, so that you just start to look at timelines and when they start to do more significant ramp-up work and that sort of thing. But uh, since you were there, Brooks, between that, uh, between the drills that you did see and, and the Hugh Freeze press conference, did anything stand out to you or uh, just any observations that you had? I mean, nothing too shocking. Like I said, day one of spring camp. Uh, I mainly stayed when we got a 20 – the media got a 20-minute window viewing period. And the whole 20 minutes was individual drills. It was one and it, it was one 20 minute period of indie drills. And so I really went in uh, first day. I stuck around the wide receivers a little bit. So I got a little bit of the quarterback taste of the quarterbacks and then some wide receiver individual drills. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too, you know, nothing stood out. Uh, you had, you know, the quarterbacks when, when you had route, you know, some routes versus air and in those individual drills. Uh, with quarterbacks throwing to the wide receivers, two quarterbacks throwing at once uh, to the same uh, to two different wide receivers. Um, you had some pretty balls uh, from a couple of the guys. I know uh, one of the uh, prettiest balls that I thought was thrown was between was Sawyer Pate hit hit one of the wide receivers corner of the end zone. Uh, it was really pretty. And then you had a couple. You know, you, it's first day back in the in the swing of things. So you had a couple overthrows by by a lot of the guys. Uh, you had a couple, you know, really fast. Uh, you put some spin on them, and the, the wide receivers had a couple uh, uh, tough, ch- tough job handling uh, a couple of the passes that had some, a lot of spin on it. But day one of spring practice, nothing quite stood out. Um, nothing shocking from the press conference from Hugh Freeze last night. You know, talked about no depth chart being out there that they're everybody's going to get equal reps on everything, and that you know. He's a new coach coming into a new coming into a new uh, place. He, you know, has yet to see 
what his guys look like in a football practice stance until yesterday, and so that makes sense that you're you're not going to get uh, you know start divvying up different levels of reps until you get to that fall camp, and so it's going to be a it's going to be a slow spring. I know the the 20 minutes that I was out there though uh, with the wide receiver around the wide receivers, uh, Hugh Freeze was not did not make a lot of appearances around the quarterbacks and wide receivers throwing. It was mostly Philip Montgomery running that show, and he was out there calling you know different plays out and. Uh, to run or different routes out to run and so uh, I think Hugh Freeze was overworking with the offensive line a little bit during that time and but yeah it was it was good it was also good to see uh, coach Cadillac still back back out there working with those running backs that was one of the first things that we saw when we walked out there is uh, coach Caddy out there working with the running backs and he was back in his element uh, you know coaching them up and you know, he he got it. It's really great that um, Hugh Freeze was able to retain him on the staff and keep him going because uh, he's just an invaluable asset to this Auburn football staff. But yeah, nothing too surprising yesterday. Um, day one of football in the in the books. I think the media gets one viewing window a week for for spring practice, and so uh, if if I'm able to keep going back out there, I'm going to kind of rotate around the different position groups. But wide receivers, nothing too much stood out about them. Uh, you got what a couple. I think there's a couple seniors on that wide receiver group. Uh, it, it's mostly juniors, sophomores down. Um, you could still, you know, if, if you're looking at this group as a whole, you could probably still use some height if you're if you're looking to on the recruiting side of things or transfer transfer portal side of things going into uh, in the spring or the summer transfer portal window. But other than that, you know, you got some good skill there that that can be developed. Yeah, I think with spring practice here, uh, again, we've talked a little bit more about the excitement, but just reading some quotes from Hugh Freeze yesterday that you know this no matter what it looks like in spring there's a a long road to travel down uh if you're trying to build this program but i think when when i read brooks i I think that the biggest thing he said was that he really liked the energy and yeah they're not anywhere close to where they're going to need to be but he said that if they maintain this energy throughout the process and you know they they maintain this energy through their academics their personal life how they treat people how they show up to the field that they will build a program and they will get it going. So I think that's going to be the important thing to remember is um, as we start to break down these teams post-spring, once the final roster movement is done, once I don't know if battles will be decided on depth charts in the spring, but um, as maybe a few people move in other places, we were talking yesterday on the show uh, with with Tom and Brant about some of these schools that have maybe up to three or four quarterbacks that could vie for position at Georgia, at Ole Miss. The very interesting thing where Jackson Dart, a returning starter, is still there, but they brought in Spencer Sanders, a very established starter, and Walker Howard from LSU, who was a big-time recruit two years ago. Um, you might kind of de facto see – a glimpse at some of these depth charts at some of these positions by people potentially entering the portal post-spring. So we won't really be breaking down expectations until the summer once we know where everyone actually is going to end up. But when we get to that point, it's going to be important to remember, no matter how much excitement has been built with Hugh Freeze over the last couple of months and 
how hard they work and, and, and how good it might look in the spring or how bad, the, the expectations will have to be in a lower place because this program officially went from, all right, it, after Malzahn, there was still plenty here. There was still a, a path to success, even though they changed coaches. Now there was a lot gone. It was a true rebuild. You could have made the argument that, yes, Auburn, by shifting on from Malzahn, was rebuilding in a sense, but you could also said if they had ended up bringing the right coach in, it could have been more of a retool because yeah. Auburn never fell apart under Malzahn. I mean, they, they had still two years prior, or I guess one year, I mean, one full year prior in the uh, 20, what was that, 2019 19? season, yeah. they still won nine games and were top 15 in the country and, and beat Alabama and uh, had some big successes that year. So, again, it was not like they had fallen flat off the face of the earth under Malzahn. So I say all that to say at that time you could have made the argument that there was a retool in play and that it could have been a quicker process. Now I think there's been enough disappointment over the last couple of years, enough rough games, enough rough, out, rough outcomes, enough roster um, depreciation where – it is going to have to be a true rebuild, and true rebuilds take a couple of years. Now, this climate has set up for a much uh, bigger boom potential, and certainly Auburn fans know that going from three and nine and twelve to tw- uh, twelve and one, I guess twelve and two, ultimately in twenty thirteen, is a thing that happened. Again, that's not a one size fits all. It's not proven that you have to boom your first year to. Yeah end up in, in great success. But I guess what Hugh Freeze was talking about yesterday is just kind of the gentle reminder uh, or the subtle reminder that, yeah, the, the some of the <laughs> – he talked about quarterbacks. The mechanics were not good, <laughs> what he saw yesterday. There's going to be a lot of work to do. And you mentioned some some overthrows and some rough passes by, by the, the guys that will end up vying for the job. You know, there's going to be a lot of development that has to take place here amongst the players, and obviously they're going to have to get – uh, more talented as the years go through. But still, nevertheless, I mean, excited to see the trajectory change because for the last two or three years, the trajectory was going down. It's obviously gone to a place where it would be hard to go much further down. Um, I mean, th- this was a horrible two years. But now you can start to actually flip the script and start to work your way. Going back in the positive direction, uh, and that's very exciting, and I think that's what this spring means. Is yes, we're not going to start freaking out about <laughs> someone that looks awesome yeah. or or the bit or players that seem to be stepping up because ultimately they'll have to do it in September, October, November. But it is the now first opportunity to start to see on the field what starts to become the the, the change of direction in the program. We've seen that in the recruiting trail for the last two months. The the, the begin of the the change of direction. Uh, with what they were able to accomplish uh, last minute with the high school class, what they were able to accomplish so far in the transfer portal. But now we'll actually start to see the first um, the first little aspects of that be put into play on the field. So I think that's uh, a very exciting part of it. Let's go ahead and go to our first commercial break of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Make phone line for the first time today. Also, birthdays and sports coming up in a few minutes as well. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call.
We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and now we welcome into the program already Tom Peavy. Tom, I told the populace, I don't know if you were in the car yet for this or not, I told them that you might be out an hour. I heard, yeah. And you were, (laughs) were you thinking, nope? I was like, (laughs) already on the way. (laughs) So uh, glad you're reporting it well. How are you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Yeah, I had to to go to uh, the ear, nose, and throat doctor just to get my ears checked out real quick because... you know, I, I do have a lot of uh, noise in my ears with the headphones and, uh, yeah, long, long life of a lot of loud noises around my ears and all. And so, uh, yeah, go go get go get the old hearing ears checked out and make sure I'm I'm doing OK. So, uh, yeah, I had me in and out real quick and I was on the road and here we are doing great. Well, now, Tom, we expect full you pay attention this full time because we know you can hear us. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, good start on that then. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401. Locally or toll-free, one at tiger 9 First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good at War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I'm actually counting the days down to the spring uh, football game for Auburn, and I'm just like ready i'm excited i'm like counting days to a day game and it's going to be an amazing year to seeing uh some great guys that i'm going to you know be rooting for on the fall on auburn fall saturdays in in jordan Hare stadium and seeing some of the new teams some of the new uh college teams that we're going to be playing when they show the schedule and i'm going to be excited to see uh you know some 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 new guys I haven't seen and actually get to like when the game is over I'll probably be on the field and you know introducing myself to some of these guys and maybe they'll get uh, a they'll get a chance to know who I am and hang out with me in Auburn as well. Uh, that would be very cool. Are you planning on going to the spring game? Uh, yes, I am. I am indeed because this will be my first time ever being back in Auburn since the pandemic. So I'm. I'm all I'm ready for it and uh, getting to meet uh, Coach Freeze and uh, shake his hand and welcome to welcome him to the Auburn family as well and see you know and see what he's uh, really about and uh, show him a lot of traditions that we have at Auburn. Well, that would be a very good thing to do, and uh, we look forward to you and a lot of other people being able to to go to the spring game, and I, I think it'll be well attended this year. Yeah, so I think with this, um, I've been seeing a lot of spring games over, you know, sitting at home uh, during the pandemic and uh, trying to, trying to, I don't, you know, trying to, like, you know, put, you know, a lot of these new guys on paper and uh, seeing what they're really going to do and trying to, trying to see how this new Auburn football team has actually progressed over time. And, uh, you know, seeing a lot of different games in the past and, seeing some games this year as well absolutely i think a lot of people will be very excited to see a new era of auburn football and and hopefully 
Uh, they uh, put on a good show for the, the spring game and, and start to develop. And as we were talking about, don't know what expectations exactly will be this year, but uh, definitely more optimism for the future about the program. Yes, as well, because I know with the with the program uh, taking off, taking flight, um, if I was the Auburn quarterback, I'll probably be like the first string or second string quarterback as well. And probably, you know, looking at some uh, some videos from old, from the older Auburn Tigers uh, players like uh, Pat Sullivan and uh, many many other guys that that played at Auburn as well, and just you know, uh, you know, writing down like you know key key um, points in the game to actually make myself look like a a, um, a quarterback from those guys as well. I think everyone dreams about uh, being quarterback or running back or something like that. So I totally fair to to dream about that. Yes, that's why because I I did play uh, football in high school. I played quarterback, and I was a really good kicker in uh, my ninth grade year in uh, high school as well. So I do have a good uh, kicking leg. So um, in my high school years, a lot of people always say, "Can I kick a football without no shoes on?" and that is absolutely 100% true, and I would actually show my skills during the A-Day game, and, and you all might want to see that as well. How, uh, how long of a field goal can you kick? Um, I actually would have to say like a 40-yard field goal or far, or far away from like 40 to like 50 yards away. 40-yard field goal would be very solid. Yes, as well because I do have a solid foot, and it really, it really shows as well. And and my arms will tell, uh, you know, when I'm actually throwing that quarterback, my arms do tell the story, and I can actually throw it with a nice hang time. And trust me, once that ball comes out of there, it has a once I once I split the air into you'll you'll hear like a little boom behind behind the football as well so just uh listen for that as well when it's in the air all right we will have to do that 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 sounds very powerful arm right there what what else do you have on your mind today james well i am actually getting ready for auburn and alabama basketball and seeing uh the seeing if uh janiah broom is actually going to bring the show to tuscaloosa uh, tonight, and um, I think we're going to make 40 or 50 points in this game tonight, and I, I'm just going to see how how Bruce Pearl is actually going to do with this team on the road. So the game is tomorrow night inside of uh, inside of Coleman Coliseum, so it'll be 6 o'clock tomorrow night, uh, and uh, we are looking forward to that game, although I think it's going to be a very tough one for Auburn. They're going to have to score a good number of points to keep up with Alabama. Yes, that's well, because I think um, I've been looking at Alabama and uh, trying to see where I want to put Alabama in for the March Madness. So I'm just going to say I'm going to just draw a line through Alabama and just put in, instead of putting Alabama in my 2023 March Madness, I'll probably put Duke or North Carolina in that spot as well instead of Alabama. 
All right. Well, uh, Alabama will make the tournament, but we'll see how uh, how far they're able to go, and we'll see what bracket they're in. Duke uh, could be a, a second or third round matchup for the Crimson Tide, depending on on what the seed line is. You obviously would match up with an eight or nine seed if you made the round of thirty two, and and Duke probably be around a seven or eight. So we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, we uh, we look forward to the bracket reveal here in a couple weeks, and it's going to be pretty uh, nervous times for Auburn fans as as they hope they make the NCAA tournament. Yes, as well, because I know we're we're trying so hard to actually make this tournament this year. And it, I think this one is going to be a really classic uh, tournament. And I'm hoping that we'll have a, a great party once Auburn actually, once these guys come back, um, you know, when they come back home from uh, from the tournament, we'll just have a big party waiting for them back at home. Uh, a big welcome after hopefully some wins for Auburn. Yes, I love because I know we do play Alabama, which is our rival, and um, I wish I was there in person up there in uh, in Colin Coliseum. I actually been there um, up there at the, on the campus of Alabama, uh, the University of Alabama, and it was it was a really uh, nice thing to actually you know get get a chance to see the uh, facilities and uh, maybe check like when I was up there uh, going up to the University of Alabama, I actually checked out their uh, rec center, which is pretty amazing. And a lot of Alabama uh, students, they were looking at me, you know, trying to make some uh, practice shots on their, on their, um, you know, in their, uh, you know, in their gym. And, and it was, it was really amazing. I've even had people actually record me, you know, playing uh, basketball by myself as well and, and actually getting a lot of shots. And, and um, a lot of people thought that I was like the next, you know, player for Auburn. And I was like, well, that could be in my near future. So it, it could happen. Who knows? You can throw and kick a football and you can play basketball. You can do it all, James. Yes, I I actually can because I am a very, very good person of playing sports. And, um, you know, it, it, it's something for me. And then this coming up week, I'm actually going to be watching the uh, first round of the scouting combine uh this coming up week uh i think tomorrow then i think it's like the runabacks if i'm not mistaken uh i'm not sure the order in which they do everything i know that everyone kind of uh overlaps some with 40 yard dash times and and just all the different drills i'm not sure uh, where the predominant uh who goes first and that sort of thing okay because i know with the uh scouting combine i was looking at the at the schedule for the scouting combine and I was looking at some Auburn players on the, on the list as well, seeing uh, some great times from Auburn, seeing uh, Derek Hall had a great time. Uh, Anderson Carlson had a great time. And uh, you know, it's going to, it's really going to show for these guys as well. So I might be looking at some, some of these new guys and and seeing where they're going to land in the draft boards as well. Well, James, we got some uh, trivia here for you. So uh, Brooks has got a couple questions. You said you wanted some NFL uh, combine trivia yesterday. Uh, yes, I did. All right, James, are you ready? Yes. All right. When was the first NFL scouting combine? What year was the first NFL scouting combine? Oh man, I know this one because they did say this one. Uh, I know they said this one last a uh, couple of months back. 
Um, I would have to say that would be the set the year. Uh, let me get the year right. I think it was 1973. Close. Um, I'll probably take another. I'll probably take another kick at this one. All right, take another kick at it. Mm, I know it wasn't 2018. It was not 2018. And I know it wasn't 2019. You're right. Well, you were close with the 1973 guess, so it's it's around 1973. Mm, I would have to say 1976. Getting closer. I'll give you, give you one more guess on it. You're getting closer. 1976 is closer. Mm, uh, let me guess. I'll probably say 1975. No, not 1975. It was 1982 is the year we were looking for. Oh, that's right. That is right. It's 19... Uh, it was what? 1982. Yes, it was 1982. I wasn't even born around that time. My older sister was born in 82, so I wasn't even around that particular uh, draft, uh, that particular NFL scouting combine. All right, now you know your sister and the NFL scouting combine were both starting in the same year, 1982. All right, ready for your next question? Yes. Where was the first NFL scouting combine located? It's in Indianapolis now every single year, but where was it before in 1982? 1982, I will have to say that would be... That will actually have to be in Houston, Texas, in the Astrodome. It wasn't in Houston. It was in a city that uh, that is a fan that uh, the uh, that Ryan Lavoy is a fan of their team. Oh, it was the Tampa Bay metropolitan area. That's right. It was in Tampa Bay, nineteen eighty-two. In Tampa Bay was the first ever scouting combine. Yeah, that was so long ago. <laughs> Great job, James. Yeah, that's well. Because, um, you know, the scouting combines for me, it, it, it's very amazing to see some of these great guys to step up and uh, getting to actually, you know, when they're doing like the 40s or when they're doing like little drills, I always scream at the TV like I'm actually there with those guys as well. Yeah, get you got to get into it sometimes to watch them hit all those drills. You ready for the, your last one, James? Yes. All right, how many players are usually invited to the Combine? I would actually have to say that would be 32 out of 40. No, not quite. You, uh, it, it's 30, there's 30 is in the, is in the name. There's, it's a lot more than that. Mm, I would actually have to say 32 out of 100. No, uh, that's not it either. It, it's you got to go way higher than that. It, it's try trying the hundreds. Um, I'll have to say, I'll have to say thirty-two out of a hundred and nine, or a hundred and ten. No, that's not it either. It, it's three hundred and thirty-five players are invited to the to the NFL Combine. Oh, wow. That is a lot of players. That is a lot of players. 335 players are invited to the NFL Combine. Yeah, it's because I've known, like, when they used to do the Scouting Combine, they used to have, um, 
they used to have like the HBCU schools like Alabama State, Mississippi Valley State, Jacksonville State, Grambling State, um, Alcorn State. But this year, I I don't see that actually happening this year, and I'm scratching my head and I'm wondering why. I'm I like piecing this missing puzzle piece and saying to myself, why are they not putting any HBCU schools in this year's Scout and Combine? And, you know, with that being said from me, I mean, that, that should be in the NFL's, you know, radar to actually put those historic black colleges and universities in this year's Scout and Combine as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good job on trivia today, James. Uh, it was really nice uh, talking to you all and having a really good time on trivia. And uh, maybe I'll probably send some more trivia um, things I might want to do on tomorrow's show as well. Uh, do you know any uh, of what that would be? Um, I'm not quite sure, but I'll send you all a tweet. All right. Sounds great. Well, we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another timeout. More sports call coming up after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful Tuesday. Going to have some rain and some thunder the next few days off and on. Boo. But uh, it's been so nice outside. Now i got to break up the rhythm. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, my, my biggest thing is hopefully just all the all the games are, are gotten in when you start to think about this time of year. and. Yeah. You hope that a thunderstorm doesn't pop up at the wrong time. But uh, Auburn got Florida A&M tomorrow night. Uh, or Auburn baseball's got Florida A&M tomorrow night at Plainsman Park. Auburn softball will be at Troy. And then, of course, you got a whole slate of games at Jane B. Moorefield and Plainsman Park this weekend. So hopefully uh, the weather times out okay in those departments. It's time uh, now for today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Mario Andretti turns 83 today. Former race car driver Andretti moved to the U.S. when he was young. Showed an interest in racing from the time he was five years old. He began racing competitively at 13 and professionally at 16. 
His career spanned almost 50 years racing in NASCAR, F1, and IndyCar. He was one of the most successful drivers in history, winning several championships and being named Driver of the Year by multiple publications over 20 times. Mario Andretti turns 83 today. Luka Doncic turns 24, guarding for the Dallas Mavericks. Doncic was born in Slovenia, where he played professional basketball beginning at age 16. He was the youngest player in league history and played four seasons in the league, winning MVP once and the championship three times. Moved, the, moved to the U.S. to play in the NBA in 2018. Was drafted third overall by the Hawks, eventually being traded to the Mavericks. He's a four-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA selection in 2019 Rookie of the Year. Won the Best players in the game, Luka Doncic turns 24 today. Tayshawn Prince turns 43, former NBA forward. Prince was born in California, played college basketball at Kentucky. Let's go Blue. While in Lexington, won SEC Player of the Year and SEC Tournament MVP as a senior in 2001. Also named an All-American, he was taken 23rd overall by the Pistons in 2002 and spent 12 of his 16 years in the NBA playing for Detroit, was a four-time All-NBA defensive teamer, and a first or a one-time NBA Finals champion, Tayshawn Prince turns 43 today. Brian Billick turns 69, former NFL head coach currently with Arizona State. Billick played at BYU as honorable mention All-American. He was drafted by the 49ers in 1977, but never played in the NFL. Began coaching in 1978 and became a head coach for the Ravens in 1999. He coached for nine seasons in Baltimore, winning a Super Bowl in 2001. Brian Billick turns 69 today. I forgot to give you a pause there. I'm sorry, Brooks. And then Aubie the Tiger turns 44 today. Of course, the mascot for Auburn. He first appeared in a drawing in game programs in 1959 and appeared in person for the first time in 1979. Since then, Aubie has been the gold standard for college mascots. He's a 10-time national champion, one-time Capital One mascot of the year, and was the first mascot ever inducted into the Hall of Fame. Aubie the Tiger turns 44 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Mario Andretti turning 83, Luka Doncic 24, Tayshawn Prince 43, Brian Billick 69, and Aubie the Tiger 44. Those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. You guys big Aubie fans? Yeah, of course. Just making sure. Uh, Who's not? Exactly. Uh, everyone gets their picture with Avi. Uh, I was trying to pull up this one to make sure I was correct with this other birthday. I am pulling it up. Yeah. Uh, Icky Woods. No, for the Icky El- Shuffle. Elbert Woods is actually his name. Elbert Icky Woods, born February 20th, 1966. Uh, yeah, former American football player running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. From 1988 to 1991, uh, he played football at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Let's go Rebels. <laughs> Best remembered for Technically the, running Rebels. Running Rebels, yeah. Best remembered for the icky shuffle end zone dance performed each time he scored a touchdown. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. my Who wants to demonstrate? Well, what I like is when he demonstrated it for that commercial, get cold cuts, get uh, some get cold, cold cuts. cuts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Icky Woods turns uh, 56 today. Happy birthday. That's crazy. Again. I remember watching him play football. Ah, I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, well, a great list of birthdays today for sure. Just four or five minutes left here in the opening hour of the show. One more quick little football topic I wanted to get in uh, on the show today. Reminder, Justin Ferguson coming up at 4.30 uh, as well and more phone calls in hour number two. But wanted to get this in for a few minutes. Saw this yesterday. 
as we talk recruiting a lot on this show, and there was some recruiting news yesterday, but it was not the kind of recruiting news that we're used to. It was on three sports announcing a new algorithm for how they rank these classes uh, for their consensus rankings. Of course, we talk about the 247 composite sometimes and the on three consensus, and they're changing their formula to have a 35% of their consensus rankings on on threes recruiting rankings, 35% based off of 247, 20% based off of rivals, and 10% based off of ESPN. So currently, how or not currently because this went into effect this week, but in the past, it was an even distribution of how they would rank their composite rankings for both team and player. Right. That is still how 247 does it. They do 25% for on three, 247, rivals, and ESPN. But on three is going a little bit more advanced here and saying, you know what? ESPN does not really do a very in depth job of recruiting. They're going to matter the least in our rankings. Rivals will matter the second least. And then we believe that ourselves and 247 do the best job of being in depth. So. Their new rankings, 35% on three, 35% 247, 20% rivals, and 10% ESPN. What do you guys think about that? Um, I, I don't know why they think so less of rivals. I mean, I thought rivals did a pretty good job. I 100% understand the ESPN part of it. Because, um, I mean, yeah, you've got Tom Luganbill, but, I mean, that's about it. You. ESPN is not really the place that you go to to get your recruiting news. I don't care what school it is, you're you're not going there. You're either going to an on three, you're going to a, you know you're going to rivals, you're going to well, you know one of those others, not ESPN. So, um, uh, yeah, that that makes sense. I just I don't understand why they would rank rivals so less unless they don't think high of rivals. I don't know, but you could have done thirty, 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 ten. <clears throat> sure. Uh, if you wanted, to, if you thought those were equal, but I mean, most of the time I've found myself either going to on three or two four seven. I right. will say, uh, we certainly have uh, great people at Auburn that that help work for rivals uh, and cover Auburn on the beat. But um, I, I admittedly had not been going there as much for the recruiting aspect of it. I, I think on three's done a really good job recently of trying to incorporate nil value. And look, I I, right. I don't know all the inner workings of that, and I don't pretend to to know if it's 100 percent accurate or not but just an attempt at nil valuations is pretty important in this new nil day and age and maybe they'll maybe they've already got it close to perfected maybe they will in the coming years but uh, any best guess is kind of welcome because we all know nil plays such a a pivotal role in this and can across multiple sports Uh, brooks i don't know how often you visit these sites but i mean does this seem like a about a fair percentage, or would you rather it be split evenly across the board? I mean, I, I'm with I'm with Tom. I, I think, and I like the the suggestion you threw out with the with the thirty 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 ten because I you know I, I do like ESPN's rankings of prospects, but I'm not going there for for predictions or for for news or anything. And it, I'm always going to go to to two four seven or on three arrivals. I'm going to find you know go to one of those. Um, and look those up. So I, I value all three of those as kind of, you know, even if you told me I had to pick one over the other, I'm probably going to pick 247 just to, just a scotch above the others. Um, but it, I, I think all of them are about equal. The ESPN, I, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd still put them in there because I do like their rankings. 
but I do not, you know, I, I don't go to them for uh, for the news and for predictions on where someone's going to go. If I'm going to, you know, go to Crystal Ball Predictions, I'm going to go to one of the other three uh, big services. There's there's not much of a difference between them, I don't think. I, 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 I like all three of them. So, you know, I, I like it. I like I, I like giving a little more valuation to other the, some some services than others that have you know proven themselves. But I would probably say you know do that 30 30 30 10 split and kind of kind of even it out a little bit more yeah i actually think espn if you're talking recruiting is a little bit more relevant in basketball recruiting because they show so many high school basketball games and i know they show some high school football games too but i mean 247 built a site almost out of that and and on three cares so much about that rivals puts a lot into it that it feels like resource wise maybe the high school part because they they broadcast those G League Elite games. They broadcast so many Sierra Canyon high school games and talked about Bronny James like 8 million times this year and Paul Bean Cardi talks a lot about it. So I I would value ESPN's opinion a little bit more for basketball recruiting than I would for football recruiting. I think this is a good change. And look, if you want all four to be split, 247 still does it that way for their composite rankings. But again, the methodology changing a little bit for on three and always want to know kind of how they come out to those composite rankings well that's how now 35 percent on three 35 percent 247 20 percent rivals and 10 percent espn out of time for hour number one when we start hour number two retire ward mc will join us you're listening to the tuesday edition of sports call One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy. Last week, we started one of the hours trying uh, a Brooks product. Not that he made the product, but that he brought the product. (laughs) Um, and it was a strawberry Dr. Pepper, or strawberries and cream Dr. Pepper. Interesting. Uh, I um, seen that. And Brooks, now we're, we're not getting to, to share with Brooks, so I can't uh, join in in the experience. But he's trying right now Peeps-flavored Pepsi, and I know him very well. He has been one of my best friends for several years now. I can read his facial impressions, and or expressions, excuse me. And um, this is not something that I think is going to get many repeat uh, repeat tries here. Am it's, I wrong? It's not bad. But it's not good. 
You, the, you use the word interesting. Yeah, I was going to say that when you're. It's, mm, it's interesting. It's supposed to be so peeps. It's peeps Pepsi. It's supposed to be artificial marshmallow flavored Pepsi. Ugh. Why? But I don't really taste any marshmallow. It's like a muted Pepsi taste, is what <laughs> it is. <laughs> it literally is just like a muted Pepsi taste. And I, I like Peeps. Like if you give me a box of Peeps, I'm going to go so, to town on the suckers. Ooh, see the deba- debate there because Tom can't stand them. Um, I don't remember them that well. I probably only had maybe ten Peeps in my life. Like I, and I think I kind of liked them. I kind of like marshmallows, but it's just not a thing that I buy, or that has been bought for me. So it, it's a, it's my whole the issue with Peeps is not that they taste bad. It's that it's just so much marshmallow, and it's just, I don't know, something about the And you cons- don't like marshmallow, I assume? I mean, I okay, I like it okay, just not in that type of quantity. And, I don't know, not something where you're just eating pure marshmallow. And there's a, there's a weird consistency to eating Peeps, too, because it's not like a marshmallow like you... Like you put on a stick to roast a marshmallow. It's like a cream marshmallow or something. I, I don't know. It's just too much. I like peeps. <laughs> I, I've, I've always I, I tried peeps. the Dr Pepper peeps uh, the other day, and it was all right. But it's still was it better than a normal peep? Not to me. I mean, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh. You get a little bit of the flavoring on the outside, but once you get inside it, it's just marshmallow. Fair. So all right. Well, uh, descent like, there amongst. If I smell it, it smells like what a marshmallow smells like. Like it, it smells like a toasted marshmallow. A little bit like it smells like a marshmallow that you just pulled off of the uh you know that it's burnt a little bit hmm. well but right then. if you if i drink it it's a very it's just a muted pepsi flavor there's i don't really taste marshmallow well and uh, this goes back to what i said over the break is that you like coke products more than pepsi products and uh you know so if it tastes just like kind of slightly diluted or watered down pepsi that's not going to be a good thing in your eyes again i'm putting two together you can fight this all you want you're not gonna be buying this drink very often just i don't know maybe yeah we'll see yeah you're just trying to be mysterious here but (laughs) i know some of your moves all right let's go back to the auburn bank phone line 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine next up on the show today ward damn steve retire ward damn steve joins us steve how are you doing Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, doing fine. I enjoy listening to uh, Tom's and Brooks. Uh, I guess a uh, food uh, network ba- uh, review banter. Yeah. Okay. Peeps banter. All right. All right so I've had peeps. Um, yeah, I can take and leave it. They're, they're okay. Uh, but I haven't tried strawberry and cream yet. Pepsi. Is that like enabled only a soda fountain, or is it uh, in a bottle? Yeah, so uh, it was strawberries and cream, Dr Pepper last yeah. week, and uh, Brooks picked that up at a at a Exxon uh, down yeah. the street. What, what some of these gas stations have names for their convenience stores? Though was it was there any yeah, specific name the, just at Exxon? Um, so it, it seems to be out there in individual capacity in, in some convenience stores. Uh, as far as the uh, Pepsi, the Peeps Pepsi, he I, you got it at the same place, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. So. Uh, they're they're available in some sort of convenience stores. I have not seen them at the grocery store, and I did go Sunday, and I I did not see them. But uh, they are at least individual bottles at some convenience stores. Okay, the reason I was wondering because I found going to the AMC movie uh, near me, so I know that 
this soda dispenser would have those particular variety of flavors available? Probably not yet. If they do well, then maybe in the near future. And, and we actually talked about the, that with Dr. Pepper last week was uh, – that, that that is usually in those machines you know they're coke freestyle machines predominantly and so dr pepper is usually in with them but pepsi is obviously not so it could happen with uh, with dr pepper it'd probably just be like strawberry dr pepper something like that would be the closest thing to it but uh maybe maybe okay well, well let's get going guys real quickly uh i was uh, amused and then i said maybe this is not such an amusing thing for me to uh, uh, laugh about uh, this quote, uh, but had me though. The quote says, "We don't know what we're doing yet, or how to do it." I don't know who said that. Hugh Freeze. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, these are some quick notes uh, uh, from two, from Nathan King uh, yesterday after I guess uh, or during their practice. I said, "Well, uh, that's an interesting take. We don't know what we're doing yet, but uh, or how to do it either." Well, it is, uh, I guess, to be expected. Yeah, first, one, one first practice and uh, of a new coach, so uh, they've got a lot to figure out. Yeah, no, no doubt. All right. Uh, Miss Ellis. <laughs> Brie Ellis, I yes. I on here. She uh, got an award for the first dog player to be named the Louisville Slugger NFCA National Division One Player of the Week. Yeah, she's been on a tear. Yes, yeah, she has. She, great weekend for her. I did not know she was batting seven fourteen. In the in the last few weeks, yeah, she had a, a a tough week in Clearwater to start the year, and then once she's come back to to Jane B. Moore Field, she's been on a tear. Uh, she definitely is on a tear. All right, and speaking of not being on a tear, is uh, our basketball team. Have you seen the latest uh, bracketology predictions from Mr. Joe Lenardi and Mr. Jerry Palm? I think they've got them as what a ten seed now. Yeah, I, I know, I know the, I know Lenardi. The last I saw Lenardi has them as one of the first uh, four buys. Last four buys. Or right. Last four buys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Jerry Palm on CBS Sports uh, website has a, a, a number ten seed, and in the South Division, which is who in charge of number one seed, Alabama. Yeah, I don't know if that can end up happening or not because there are there are some rules on how many times you play a team dictates how quickly you can see them in the NCAA tournament. Sir, I don't know if it's twice, but I know that I know if Auburn ends up playing Alabama in the SEC tournament for whatever reason, that would not be they would not be able to be in the same bracket. I'm not sure about playing twice, but I know if you play three times, you cannot meet till the final four. Okay, all right. Uh, good to know. Thanks for educating me. And then uh, I saw Mr. Lenardi's uh, bracket watch, and he has Auburn as a 11th seed, uh, but he has it in a different division. He has them in the uh, West Division. Right. With Iowa State, Gonzaga, and Toledo, and, of course, Kansas being number one seed. So uh, if we were to lose both games, guys, do you think these uh, seedings, these bracketologies, would remain they are, or they would be significantly uh, dropped. Uh, if Auburn, if Auburn loses the next two games, I don't think they're in the tournament. Well, Nathan King thinks otherwise, Tom. So mm. I'm going with Nathan King. He says uh, that we will probably be in the uh, the last four to get in, to have to play to get into the tournament. Yeah, uh, I, I and that, that's a possibility. But I I think Auburn's I think Auburn 
feels like they're in a situation they have to win one of these next two games. Well, and also, I mean, some of it too, and I hate to kind of make it more murky than it actually is, but or than it, than it already is, I should say. But some of it too depends on what these other bubble teams do True. down the stretch. You know, yeah. if, if these teams around Auburn lose with Auburn, then it's hot, kind of hard to see them jumping the Tigers. But if like like last night, for example, was probably not a very good night for bubble teams because of West Virginia winning at Iowa State, who's well into the field. West Virginia was last four in coming into last night. Their road win in Lenardi's eyes took them into the last four buys and actually put them above Auburn. Um, so if West Virginia had lost that game, they might have dropped to first four out, but they won. And anytime any of these teams, because, I, again, I, I'm going to probably say this five times between now and Selection Sunday, any, Lenardi is still not perfect. And so any of these teams that are from last four buys to next four out, that whole grouping of 16 teams, they're all in real play, and they're all neck and neck. And you can't assume that Lenardi is perfect because he is usually 65 or 66 teams correct in the NCAA tournament, which on the surface sounds awesome. But remember, most of those bids are obvious locked-in bids anyway. You're really only predicting 10 or 12 at the end of the tournament. So yeah, he, and I'm glad, Brian, excuse me that you brought that up because I, I heard another CBS, uh, another analyst said, you know, Lenardi is not that great as you might look on the surface because he said he's only 50% right when it comes to the bubble teams. Right, yeah. I mean, if you consider the bubble to only be like eight teams and you get four out of eight, which it's happened to him a couple of times, that's how you'd come up with that. I mean, he, like, again, I, I'm not trying to say he doesn't work his butt off, but at the end of the day, it's still his best guess, and he does not know a whole lot more than, than these other bracket guys. He's still not in the room with the committee. And, and so when he misses two or three, well, he misses two out of three out of really only eight to ten actual bids so again we we operate under the presumption that this is exactly how it is auburn could actually already be one of the last two or three teams in the tournament they might not they are might already be a first four team in the committee's eyes or they could be within the tournament by a few more teams that they might not be in the last four buys there is a there is room here for him to be wrong and that's the nervy part if you're anywhere on this on this sheet from last four buys to next four out, you are on the bubble, and you do not know for a fact. Okay. Uh, speaking of our basketball team, stay with them. Uh, have you seen this, uh, I guess, it's a legitimate uh, tweet uh, on uh, Alan Flanagan from supposedly his grandmother on Twitter? I have not. Okay. Uh, apparently, uh, the uh, link uh, shows... It says, from injury to flying high on the court, Alan Flanagan has fought his battles. All right. So you scroll on down, and uh, it says, uh, apparently, his grandmother is saying that uh, he ain't coming back. Have you seen that at all? I have not seen that, but uh, we were asked yesterday who all might uh, might be on the team next year and not. And while I still think it's a little too early to know all of that, I mean, Alan Flanagan is the guy that waited a little bit later in the process to say he was coming back to Auburn last year. So it stands to reason if you are uh, having to make a tough decision last year, the decision will become even tougher to stay this year at the very minimum. 
Okay. Um, do you see that as being a impactful uh, departure for the team or, or not? You know, I, I, I hate to say it. I, I don't think it would be too impactful. Now, Flanagan has become Auburn's <clears throat> probably fourth best player this year. I mean, he's a part of that group of four that, that gets uh, uh, the biggest minutes and, and does get a lot of shot attempts, but he really just never regained his impact that he had uh, from the 2020 season when it was basically him and then Sharif Cooper finally got cleared. So, I, look, I, I think that he uh, has had a better year this year than last year, certainly, and that he is needed for Auburn to to win a tournament game or to advance in the SEC tournament. They, they need someone like him to have a, a productive game, but he is under the category of replaceable players, in my opinion. Okay, now I, I've probably leaned with uh, your analysis as well. All right, real quickly, uh, have you seen ESPN's uh, forecast, computer forecast for the Elite Eight teams? And this comes from the Spun. Uh, I haven't. I'm, I'm going to assume Alabama's in there. I'm going to assume Kansas is in there. Um, well, I'll give the percentages. Houston is given a 74.6 percent. Tennessee is second. Really, sixty point seven percent. Okay, interesting. Alabama's third was sixty point six percent. Okay. UCLA forty eight point nine percent. UConn is thirty eight point nine. Purdue thirty six point five percent. Texas, 36.4%, and finally, last year's winner, Kansas, 33.4%. What do you make of those odds, guys? Do you agree with them, or do you see, nah, I wouldn't put those teams in there? I, I think Tennessee's a little bit too high. Um, uh, you know, the rest of it, I can kind of see it. Yeah, I, I think Tennessee might be a little too high on that one. And Kansas might be a little and bit Kansas too low. Be too low, um, you know, I, I think I respect that that tries to take into account other things than just the top eight teams in the country right now. I do respect that part of it because UConn's a team that got really high around the start of conference play. I think they got up to second or third, something something in the top five, and then they had a tough time in the Big East. They're starting to play better lately. So I appreciate that it thinks outside the box a little bit, but that being said, there's still a couple teams on there like Tennessee, as Tom mentioned, that, that I, I just – I do not think will make a big tournament run. In fact, I think a team like Tennessee will, will be under the susceptible to be upset in the round of 64 category just as much as they would be making the Elite Eight. So uh, appreciate the, the variety there, but don't agree with all of it. I was going to ask you guys, uh, what do you make of uh, them leaving out Arizona? Yeah, you know, Arizona is a team you mentioned a couple times this year, Steve. They've been highly ranked. They lost a brutal game to Arizona State, which, by the way, that's the kind of game you don't want uh, for a bubble team to win if you are Auburn because Arizona State is now the last team into the NCAA tournament, according to Lenardi, because of uh, a play like that where they hit a half-court shot to beat Arizona on, yeah. on Arizona's court. So, you know, I think that part of it is – the stuff you root against if you're a bubble team. So I, I think Arizona's really good. It's interesting that UCLA is valued over them because they've been pretty neck and neck in the Pac-12 all year long. Uh, but but ultimately, uh, I, I think that the Pac-12, your opinion of the Pac-12 is what dictates if you really like Arizona or not because they and UCLA have been pretty well ahead of anyone else out there. Okay, and have you seen yet a line come out for the uh, Bama game tomorrow night? Uh, the line for the Alabama game, I do have one, Alabama by nine. 
that's all yeah that's uh that's what some are thinking you know i i actually did say i will say this i've been accidentally decent on this i said 10 yesterday so uh and it's it's it is nine right now we'll see if it changes the next 24 hours if people can bet that and, and change that but it is nine right now i mean i thought it might be like 12 to 15 right and i think i remember brant said something similar i think he said low double digits too so uh, maybe a little bit surprising there, but maybe just going off of this is a rivalry game, and, and Auburn did have Alabama on the ropes for just about the whole game in Evel Arena. Okay. All right. Uh, finally, guys, uh, again, addressing Brandon Miller, and I hope I don't, I don't talk about it anymore, uh, but to Alabama listeners and callers who continue to somehow uh, conclude that Auburn is constantly uh, drumming up uh, the Brandon Miller issue. Um, no, it's media sports nationwide. And most recently uh, on a, I guess, a podcast or a show uh, with Skip Bayless, Mr. Shannon uh, Sharp. Yes. Yep. You haven't really seen it on YouTube, uh, but he was on uh, a, a podcast called The Undisputed. Yeah, that's their show they do every morning, Monday through okay, Friday. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, what he said on there was pretty telling. Um, I don't recall Shannon Sharp ever being an Auburn player, right? Right, yeah, no, he yeah. no ties to Auburn, yeah. But here's what he said on the show. He said, it's not funny. It's not cute. What's cute? What's funny about a black man being patted down? Do you understand what's going on in America? You think that's cute? That was just part of a, a conversation he had with him. And that's what this was about. Well, then I read uh, later on that apparently the uh, Twitter banner with uh, Brandon Miller being... Uh, had it down, has now been taken down. Right. Uh, so that was good to see. But I thought it was a little bit maybe too late. It should have been done a lot earlier. And, um, you know, it's just a hard, again, uh, if, if someone who's African-American and who knows, like Shannon Sharp said, do you understand what's going on in America? What's funny about a black man being patted down? Um, why wouldn't that have struck you know struck a chord uh again to begin with you know right yeah no clearly um, clearly not just an sec or auburn thing clearly this thing is is uh nationwide i wonder you know what might uh, uh what's uh, the, the the fallout when this goes to the ncaa tournament uh, do you think there'll be any or do you think it'll be forgotten no, it will not be forgotten. I mean, again, there will there will be no no suspensions. I am confident in that at this point. But it's going to uh, linger. It, over, it will linger it will be a them. talking point for everyone at every desk and doing every one of their games for the rest of the year. Do you think you'll have any impact on his uh, being uh, uh, drafted or not? No, uh, I, I think that one or two teams might. Uh, flag him uh, for some sort of character issue and might and might pass, but he but he won't. He he's too good, and you know they they won't they won't pass him up for long. I th- I still think he'll be a lottery pick. Okay, all right, guys. Well, I just hope that he has uh, learned a really valuable lesson about uh, bad and good choices in his life. So, with that said, guys, thank you for your time. I know my time is way up, and uh, hope you guys have a safe and relaxing afternoon. And tomorrow. We'll talk some more. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. That's retired War Eagle, Steve, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next time out of the show. On the other side, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer to talk some Auburn basketball and talk a little bit about spring football being here. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. 
May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. And we're now excited to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and joining the program now for a weekly chat is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, the time is always greatly appreciated. Hope you're doing well today, my friend. I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing well. Uh, Obviously, we've got a lot to talk about with spring football in the works now. First practice being yesterday. We will get to that in just a little bit. Also, Brooks will have a fun with Ferg question at the end. But uh, let's start with a little Auburn basketball as it was a rough one in Rupp Arena on Saturday. And, Justin, we, we anticipated this being an incredibly tough game. We know the, the, the context of Auburn not winning in Lexington in a very, very long time. But it was the manner in which they lost which was so surprising. Just what what went into what was ultimately a beatdown on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, uh, Kentucky's a pretty bad matchup for Auburn because they have a really big backcourt. Um, they are athletic, you know, one through five. And, you know, this is a very, very talented team. And, you know, this Auburn team – is a team that just kind of has to grit and grind, uh, play really good team basketball. And I think they did for the first 15 minutes. They had a lead. And then when the rebounding started slipping there late in the first half, Kentucky went on a run. Auburn never really recovered and got out of it. And, then, you know, the way Kentucky was playing and the way Auburn was struggling, you know, on both ends of the floor, it just, it, they, they let it get away from them. And then it just was kind of a, a, a you know, laughter at that point. So, yeah, it's it was a really tough game and a tough matchup for Auburn, and, and they just stopped doing the things that can give you a chance against a team like 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 Kentucky, where you look at them and say, okay, they have national player of the year, they have several five stars um, that have really good athleticism, really good physicality. You got to be able to master physicality as, be, as best as you can. You got to play really good team basketball, um, and, and Auburn didn't do either of those things really after the first fifteen minutes. So that's why it got out of out of hand. So. You come away from a game where you were down by 40 at one point, not sitting here thinking like, okay, well, you know, you you just you can't stay on the floor with a team of that caliber because you know you you, you led Alabama for most of the game. You you put Tennessee right down to the wire as well. So you you don't come out of it thinking like this is impossible. You just come out of it thinking like, hey, here's what can happen when you stop doing the things you absolutely have to do if you're a team like Auburn where you don't have a lot of five star talent, you don't have NBA players, you know, right off the bat. Uh, on this team, um, you got to play good, experienced team basketball together, and and uh, it was a wake up call because I mean, there's in these these two games they have this week, they could definitely get run out of the gym um, if they play like that moving forward. And, and and you mentioned those two games, and obviously you got Alabama coming up. Uh, I, I I mean, how scary is this for Auburn? You're coming off of a, a loss like that, now you got to turn around and go to Tuscaloosa and. Yeah, their fans are going to be fired up just because it is the quote unquote Iron Bowl of basketball. But then you, you throw in the Brandon Miller stuff, and I mean, you know, there's Alabama fans that blame Auburn fans and other fan bases for blowing this up in the media, which is obviously a, a crock. But 
they're going to be fired up for that reason and just the rivalry. So, I mean, how much trouble is Auburn into uh, getting into heading to Tuscaloosa? Yeah, it's going to be a really tough game. Uh, toughest game of, of the season, for sure. Uh, the fact that you have to play Alabama on the road, the fact that Alabama is beating teams by an average of, I think it's like 26 20. points uh, Yeah, at, at home 20, this season. Yeah, yeah okay. it's, 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 it's pretty it's – pretty, pretty remarkable just how well they've played but you know for Auburn you got to sit there and go back and, and look at what you did at home um to lead for you know really the majority of that game and say okay can we do that again and just you know kind of keep up that kind of intensity and that level of play you know for all 40 minutes and if you do you're gonna have a chance to be really really competitive with Alabama and and you know who knows you know, maybe able you can you can pull off a, a stunning a stunning upset but you know, I look at Alabama right now. They struggled with South Carolina last week. They obviously trailed for most of that game against Arkansas at home last Saturday. You know, uh, that's those are two teams that Auburn has beaten this season. So it's like it's not Auburn's. It's not like Auburn's fully incapable of going to Tuscaloosa and playing well. Um, but you know, the margins are very, very thin because Alabama is so talented. Uh, and you know, when they get going, uh, they're really, really hard to stop in Coleman. So it's a, it's a, it's a brutal matchup for sure. But, you know, the same team that led, you know, after 15 minutes at Rupper Arena, same team that went down to the wire at Tennessee, the same team that led Alabama for most of them, like, that team is fully capable of competing in this matchup. It's just, can they do it at the right time uh, and get all the, all the pieces together? Justin, uh, a, a guy that we've seen step up this year for the Tigers has been Jalen Williams. He's had some uh, games, some big performances, and, and I know uh, he was one of the guys that got to talk to the media earlier today. Talk about what your impressions have been on J- uh, Jalen Williams' performance this year for the Tigers. Well, actually, Jalen wasn't able to talk to us today. Uh, they ended up canceling that at the last moment, but you know, I can still talk about how, J- how Jalen's played, and it's been exceptional you know, this year. I think when you're stepping in for a guy like Jabari Smith, you got a lot of pressure, um, and you don't need to necessarily. You know, you're not going to be Jabari Smith, but I think when Jalen Williams plays really, really well, Auburn plays really well as a whole. I mean, he's one of those guys that really, um, him and him and Wendell Green Jr. for sure, I think, are the most attached to wins and losses this season for Auburn and how they play. And we've seen now several times, even since some of these losses down the stretch where Jalen Williams has caught fire and can be a guy to give you six, eight, ten points in a row. Um, he is a good three-point shooter for a, for a big man. Um, he also is a great playmaker, uh, you know, and, and helps helps create. Tough defender, can be a tough rebounder as well. Um, they just need that, that version of Jalen Williams to play that way, you know, for all 40 minutes or however long he's out there in order to give Auburn the best chance to win because he is, you know, that kind of difference maker. There aren't very many four men in college basketball that can do all the different things Jalen Williams does. And the fact that he is so experienced, I think, has carried him a long way. So and for order, in order for Auburn to have a chance to beat either Alabama or Tennessee this week, I think they're going to need big games from Jalen Williams. And so he is very, very critical to what they do on both ends of the floor. And, um, you know, you, you hope if you're Auburn, he can catch fire tomorrow night. And Justin, we obviously this year have referenced the the bubble a lot. We will continue to do so between now and Selection Sunday. And we look at Lenardi, we look at Jerry Palm, we look at some other things. I don't know if you have a preferred bracketologist or where you believe Auburn stands uh, at this moment. But, I mean, everyone does want to know, does Auburn have to beat 
Tennessee to to make the NCAA tournament, or can they win a game or two in the SEC tournament and counteract two losses this week? Just where do you stand on where Auburn actually is in your best estimation on the bubble right now? Yeah, they're a ten seed pretty much uh, across the board. I mean, I think everybody has has them in that ten spot. Some are at eleven, some are at nine. But I, I try to tend to look at bracketology through the lens of a lot of different people and not just one or two or just you know people we know or uh, the ones who are running ESPN or CBS. Um, you know, so place like Bracket Matrix has Auburn in the ten seed right now, and uh, you go to. T-Rank, which is a good way to do a lot of uh, stats and analysis and kind of forward-thinking projections. Uh, if Auburn wins either of these games this week against Alabama or, or Tennessee, their chances of making the NCAA tournament jump to 90% on T-Rank. This is before the SEC tournament. If they lose both, that chance drops down into the 60s, which puts them in potentially last four in, You know, could be playing in Dayton, uh, or you know, just making it in on the top of those 11 seeds. Um, and, you know, in the SEC tournament, Bruce Pearl talked about this today, your first matchup in the SEC tournament is probably not going to help your tournament resume very much. It's going to be a team that plays on Wednesday night, or it's going to be a team that, you know, is not projected to make the NCAA tournament. So what you have to do if you're Auburn, uh, if you lose these two games um, this week, you're probably going into Nashville knowing you have to win the first one. And the second one, you hope you can maybe have a chance to get a quad one win or another really good quad two and then go into Selection Sunday, um, you know, sweating and knowing that you are firmly on the bubble. So, um, I mean, nobody in college basketball has a bigger chance to boost their resume than Auburn does because nobody plays two of the top three teams in the country this week. In fact, only one other team plays two of the top 30 teams in the country this week. And that's Boise State in the Mountain West. Um, this in this run in, we knew all year long it was going to be really difficult. But at this point, it, it's not keeping Auburn from potentially winning an SEC title. That that's that's beyond the point now. Now it's can you do something to lock yourself in the NCAA tournament? And that that's a position that just not very many teams on the bubble are in. You look at everybody else, whether it's the end of their regular season or you get into their tournaments, they're not going to be able to have this potential to jump like Auburn does so when and you're in you win one of these you're good if you lose both of these you're probably looking at a situation where you need two wins in Nashville to feel like you've got a good shot at making it into uh, the NCAA tournament if you lose both of these and win just one in Nashville you will be firmly on the bubble and you might be playing in the first four if you get in the tournament at all He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on this Tuesday edition of Sports Hall. Justin, let's transition into some spring football, uh, a time with a lot more optimism than I think this time last year, a lot of excitement building around the program. Uh, you got the opportunity to uh, talk to Hugh Freeze for the first time this spring and then also have a, a slight viewing window. Just what, some are the, what are some of the storylines that you're following throughout the spring and just first impressions uh, being out there yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a lot of excitement. It's a lot of newness, right? Not only are you in a um, you know, football facility now that's brand new, and the two outdoor fields makes a ton of difference. I think it was the first time I've ever covered an Auburn practice. It felt like I wasn't cramped or I wasn't in somebody's way, which is a really good feeling. And I know especially it is for, for the players to just have all that room to kind of operate and go through their drills. Um, so it's that's, that's big. And, you know, you're looking at this team, 21 new players. That's over a quarter of your roster. Uh, is brand new. 
most of your coaches are new. You only bring back two uh, from last season, uh, and and Cadillac Williams and Zach Etheridge. So I mean, if you're Auburn, you just have all this new energy and excitement. And look, the challenge is great, and and it's it's, it's going to be a multi-year process to bring Auburn back to where they think they need to be and deserve to be, uh, and want to be, you know, in college football. But um, you know, this is a this is a team that is going to, you know, install a lot of stuff and, and get a lot of stuff sorted out. And Hughes made it clear last night he's not interested in coming up with a depth chart. He's not interested in, you know, limiting who gets what reps when. That's not what spring football is for, especially in a year one. This is about giving guys a lot of opportunity to hit the ground running, learn the systems, learn the way things are going to be moving forward, and just starting to kind of put the pieces together. Um, so whether it's quarterbacks, whether it's the improvement of a Robbie Astrid, or you know whether it's who's going to play where on the offensive and defensive lines, or how things sort out in the back end, um, you know there's going to be a lot of takeaways and a lot of people who are going to point out the certain story storylines. But I will say, just the most important thing of it all is this is a get to know you kind of process for Auburn football um, with these new staff players, these new staff members, these new coaches, these new players, systems, literally where they're practicing is brand new. Um, so they have an advantage to, you know, it's an exciting time. The players seem to be very, very fired up for it. Um, but it's gonna, it's the start of a very long process uh, to get Auburn football back to where, where it is. But they couldn't ask for a better way to start yesterday. Weather was good, but like the energy was good. Uh, and, and Hugh Freeze sounded pretty pleased with what he saw. Justin, spring practices here. We're going into the the the, uh, the the season of spring, and what that brings, uh, uh, you know, different types of candy and uh, different types of sugary treats uh, this time of year. One most famous one is is the uh, marshmallow peeps. Uh, we had we had a spirited debate a little bit earlier. I am pro peep. Ryan, I, I don't think has a, a strong opinion on neutral, them. Uh, and our Tom PV does not like peeps. So we we got to know where you stand uh, when it comes to peeps. I'm probably more on Ryan's side. I will eat them. I don't like buy them. I don't go out of my way to get them. But like I was given them a couple of times at Easter growing up, and I've had them in the past, and they're fine. Um, you know, I don't think they're I don't think they're like utterly disgusting, but it's like. Also, not something that I would go out and get on my own. You could probably do a lot better for Easter candy, but you know, it's fine. It's I can see why it has such a polarizing opinion, though, because it is just such a weird concept and a weird execution. But I, you know, I don't think they're I don't think they're awful. Have you seen the the Peeps Pepsi combo? Yes, I did. And so our buddy Josh Vitale, who used to work at the Montgomery Advertiser and, and other places here, who um, you know was was on the beat for a while, he now works for Pepsi uh, in their communications department. And uh, I saw that the other day, and we took a picture and sent it to him. We are like, hey, man, you got you to gotta answer for this. And he's like, this, yeah, it's not my idea. And also he thinks it's, it's pretty disgusting. Um, I, I haven't tried it. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just going to taste more sugary. I guess it's going to taste sweeter. Um, I do remember there was a time when I was – it does remind me of the time when I was in North Carolina um, – um, you know, back when I was in college and interning in, in Charlotte. And there was a run where, you know, Cheerwine's like super popular in, in North Carolina and that's where it's from. They had a run of Krispy Kreme uh, Cheerwine, which I don't, I didn't try because oh. I didn't want to even know like how that would work because <laughs> it's just like even sweeter stuff. So like I guess it's just like 
I don't know how many people are out there who are drinking sodas and, and like getting colas like that, and they're like, you know what, this needs to be even more sweeter. I don't think I don't think it's sweet enough. Um, so I guess I guess that's for you. Uh, for the, if you identified with that message, uh, go get the Peeps Pepsi and see what you think. Well, well, Justin, here's where I admit that I've got a Peeps Pepsi <laughs> sitting next to me in the studio right now. Okay, so like, what? Like, how how is it? Like, I need to. I need a review. So it's it's weird because it's inconsistent. The first few, like if yeah. I smelled it, it smells kind of like a toasted marshmallow. Yeah. But then you you drink it, it just it doesn't. It tastes like watered a little watered down Pepsi to start with, and then as you huh. go through it, you get more of a marshmallow taste. The, the further down in the bottle, like you like get. it's toward the bottom yeah. or something. It's like yeah. it doesn't mix like well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, that's interesting because, like, I'm you know I'm trying not to drink as much soda as I used to, um, and uh, so I've, I've cut back on it. But I am I am in favor of like just trying the weird ones. Like I like I uh, I don't like regular Mountain Dew. I've never been a I've never been a, like a straight you know Mountain Dew uh, fan. But like I like like the, a lot of the weird kinds that they have, like all the varieties. Um, but I do know speaking of Pepsi and I haven't taken marshmallow. I do know that in Missouri. Um, because my brother used to work out there. There are there are like towns or like there's like a place out there specifically that's known for making Pepsi mixed with marshmallow cream in it. Ooh. And I wonder if that's what Peeps is like. I wonder if that's what the Peeps Pepsi is trying to go for. Like that. Like that might be the like this is the best way we can pull this off. And it's around Easter, so you know we'll throw the we'll throw the yellow peep on there and make everybody happy. So I, maybe that's the inspiration. But you know, like you said, like. If it tastes more marshmallow than just pure sugar, I can see. I can see where it's. It could be all right, but like, yeah, you're not. You're not. It didn't sound like you got a good one, at least. <laughs> well, Justin, listen, we we're in the preliminary uh, stages of planning a Peeps taste test, so we may have to see about getting you in the studio for that. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be K. I, I, I did know. I used to work for. A, I used to work for a lady when I was in high school. That you know, speaking of Peeps, that she would buy Peeps. And I, I still don't understand this to this day. It's one of the weirdest things I've, I've ever known anyone to do with food. She would buy peeps like or like it after Easter and like when they're like like ten cents for a box. And she would she would like you had to come in that little like cellophane uh, box, and so he, she would poke a hole in them, and they would like get stale. And she would eat them after they got stale because wow. she thought they tasted better. And I don't know what in the world like it's it's. One of the most bizarre things. A perfectly lovely person outside of this, outside of this peeps, outside of this peeps thing. But like, it was always really weird because in her office she would have like these peeps like laying out, like getting ready. Like I don't know, she was like aging them, like it was like <laughs> they gotta you know, get like, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, see, and I, I was telling them I, I'm not a fan of peeps because of mainly the consistency of it. It's just too much yeah. marshmallow. So I guess you let them sit out, they firm up, and maybe they become less gooey or whatever you want to call it i guess yeah. i guess that was the thing it, it just sounded so bizarre to me that i never was like yeah i'm gonna try that maybe that's what yeah. we'll have to do a pack like when we do our peeps taste test we'll have to have a pack that just we wait and stale it up a little <laughs> bit Buy and then have that early. yeah uh, something yeah. like that he's justin ferguson of the auburn observer joining us here on the tuesday edition of sports Hall. justin uh tell us what's going on with the observer and i saw that you you guys are running a, a special for new subscribers right now as well yeah, absolutely. It's the best time we've ever had to sign up for the Observer, not because of anything I wrote, but because of just the price we're giving out right now. So from now to the end of spring practice, the eight-day weekend, 
uh, new subscribers, you can get $40. Um, $40 will get you a full year. So that is all of our spring football coverage, all of our postseason basketball coverage, all of football season next year, and pretty much all of basketball season next year as well. You can get that for just 40 bucks. It's usually $60, um, so 33% off. Um, it's the best time to come on because we've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, we had a couple of uh, football things uh, yesterday. One more today on, in the newsletters, a lot of newsletters, uh, podcasts later this week. I'm going to Tuscaloosa uh, for the basketball game tomorrow. We'll have coverage from that. Uh, Friends of the Program is back tomorrow as well, for those of you who are subscribers. Got a mailbag later this week. And, yeah, it's going to be a super busy time. I'm going to Nashville next week for the SEC tournament. We'll see where Auburn ends up in the postseason. So we'll be covering all that between football and basketball. Um, there's never been a better time to sign up. We're giving you something. At least one thing, sometimes two things, pretty much every day of the week at 6 a.m. Central Time. Everything we do gets emailed to your inbox. Just go to auburnobserver.com. It's $40 for your first year if you subscribe today. And, uh, yeah, that's, you don't need a special code, don't need a special link or anything. Just go to the website and you can find it there. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Be safe with all that traveling, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. That is Justin Ferguson again of the Auburn Observer here on this edition of Sports Call. We are out of time for hour number two, so we need to take our time out. On the other side, more talk on Auburn basketball, a little Auburn football, and some MLB spring training with all these rule changes. A lot to talk about here. Stay tuned. Hour number three coming up in just a few minutes. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childers with you. Big thanks to Justin Ferguson for joining us on the Auburn Make Phone Line in hour number two to talk all things Auburn basketball, Auburn football, and peeps, because naturally those three things go together. Oh, why not? Um, Brooks had uh, – here's – okay. I've started hour number two kind of like this. We'll start hour number three like this. All right. So Brooks has brought in – uh, fancy flavored drinks the last two weeks. I wouldn't call this fancy flavored, but 
different different, flavor. different flavored drinks, uh, abnormally flavored drinks, and limited edition flavored drinks. I would, I, I would like to cook up a a wacky Wednesday. Oh, I'm all for cooking up wacky Wednesdays. I I can't decide if it should be one or the other or, or both eventually. If I want to actually do and see, someone's going to have to know what everyone is, what which each one is. But I want to do that blind taste test, either amongst one, like one brand's products. Do you tell me if it's cream soda or cherry or cherry vanilla, blah blah blah, or do it amongst the different products and say, is this actually Diet Pepsi or Diet right. Coke? Is this actually, you know, Mountain Dew or, you know. Uh, mellow yellow and, and just all that now tom's gonna know mountain dew but i'm just saying i i, I want <laughs> in a blind I, I you never know i want to see if everyone would be able to figure that out but i've just got to figure out how i want to do that and um that would be a good wacky wednesday idea is to try a bunch of those flavors because we have the perfect we have these little uh they're kind of like the, the cups you'd use to rinse your mouth out if you were brushing your teeth or something yeah. these very small in the bar industry we call those shot cups shot cups sure <laughs> sure shot cups um and, and it would be very easy to to do a taste test all this so coming up with wacky wednesday ideas and uh definitely some sort of peeps idea that you have to brooks oh, yeah. at, at some point so uh, we're going to be hitting that up very soon. Well, I, and I, I've already been staring down some ideas for some wacky Wednesdays with uh, some odd and wacky facts. Uh, you know, we did story time where I, right. I read this. You know, truth is stranger than truth is stranger than fiction type stories. And uh, you know, I've been looking at some of those and a lot of uh, some weird stuff that's like um, like weird coincidences that are very very. This world is bizarre. <laughs> I'm telling you, this this world is absolutely bizarre with some of the stories and uh, some of the coincidences that go on. It's, it's insane. So we are going to be starting that up very soon. I'm putting together a list, too, of, of audio to send off for Brooks so we can get uh, Zeus to help us out with that. And a lot of stuff going to start to be new here, here in the next couple months as far as Wacky Wednesday and some new segments and and that sort of thing. But before we continue on here with this show, let's recap you on what we've done so far. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things... Usually, I ask Tom to recap the show. Oh. So today, I'm going to do it again. Tom, what are we going to do? Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was not prepared for that. Uh, we have talked about Peeps <laughs> <laughs> and Peeps right. Pepsi. That's right. Yeah. Uh, on the sports side of things, we've talked a lot about Auburn uh, spring football practice. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are interested in that as that is getting cranked up. Uh, we've had some great callers, and, uh, and then we talked to justin ferguson and got to dig even deeper into uh some of that and we've also talked auburn men's basketball trying to come back from that uh devastating loss to uh to kentucky and a huge one coming up against alabama tomorrow in coleman coliseum and that 
I just, I obviously all of us are hoping Auburn can at least make a game of it and not get too embarrassed, but it's going to be tough. But uh, yeah, uh, we we've bounced around a, a good bit, not as much as we have in the past. Um, uh, it, it's been yeah, it's been a lot of Auburn football and some Auburn basketball. Do you want to start bouncing around here a little bit? Let's bounce. So we mentioned this really quickly between break, and I, this is something I want to make fun of. Um, so. Tom, you're a big golf guy. Yes. Brooks likes golf. I do like golf. I like golf. Uh, Live Golf has been the attempted startup the last two years, the alternative to the PGA Tour. Controversially. Yes. Uh, their money comes from Saudi Arabia. Uh, you, you, If you're informed in the world, you know that's probably not the cleanest money that there is. And there are just buku amounts of money being hurled at some of these top golfers in the country in the world uh to join the live tour they they signed a deal with cw a few weeks ago and this brings me back to last week when we were talking about pac-12 talking to apple about a potential pack there which could end up ruining their conference but anyway live finally gets a tv deal and beggars can't be choosers so they go with cw and look, I'm not trying to crap on CW. The My favorite show of all time used to air on CW. It was, it was Smallville, okay? And so the CW is not perennially bad. They had some good shows, okay? But still, not, no, not known for sports at all in any way. Right. And so they got uh, a deal with, with CW. They had their first tournament of the year this past weekend. Their final round on Sunday... Got a point one something rating. They had less than two hundred, less than three hundred thousand viewers, which for sports is just awful. And a show called "World's Funniest Animals" <laughs> was watched more by more people than Live Golf. Um, train wreck much? I, I how how long can they fund this when they get? 200-something thousand people watching. How much oil does Saudi Arabia have? Well, they have a lot. Yeah. um, This seems like, like, in your best guess, how long can they keep this up? uh, Maybe a year or two, I would think, with with terrible TV ratings. Uh, Yeah, because, I mean, you just... You start hemorrhaging money like that, and and you're not going to be able to survive. I don't care how rich you are. uh, You're not going to be able to survive that. And then you have to take in consideration also with these golfers and their sponsorships. Part of the part of the deal with these sponsorships for these golfers is to get their product out there in front of folks on TV mainly. Um, that's why these golfers have their bags emblazoned with Titleist and and have their hats with the logos and. They, you know, they talk about their, their clubs and what clubs they're using and what balls they're using. I mean, there's so many uh, sponsorships that these golfers have, and those companies want this on television. They want their name out there. They want to see that the best golfer is using my product. Well, if nobody's watching them on TV, then the sponsorship is not getting their money's worth. And so how much longer before sponsorships start dropping some of these golfers because now – Yes, it they're not be. in front of as many eyeballs. Right, they're not as in, in front. Of, you know, sure. Yes, it's Phil Mickelson, but you know, hey, Phil, 
you're supposed to be pushing our product. We that we're we're giving you a lot of money to put our product out there in front of everybody, and you're playing on a tour that nobody watches. So therefore, why why are we doing that? I get, get in front of more eyeballs, I, or else. Right. I I can I can go. I can instead of paying you. I'll I'll pay somebody that's on the PGA that's on on TV at at the least they're on the Golf Channel every day but they're also on CBS and I mean they're still drawing eyeballs to them so that's going to be kind of one of the roundabout things that come to it so um, yeah unless unless their TV revenues start picking up like that I, I don't see how it could possibly last very long. Uh, and man, you want to talk about a group of guys that will get just pie in the face. These dudes that have left the PGA Tour, will they even be welcome back to the PGA Tour after after shunning them publicly? Yeah, I mean, this was not a this was not kind of a hey a behind the closed doors. I mean, this was out there in front of everybody. We're leaving the PGA because they don't do this, they don't do that, and we like this company over here because they're paying us more, and it's shorter tournament. It's a three-day tournament instead of four, and it's not as many tournaments, and the PGA just is blah, blah, blah. So these guys are going to get pie in the face if this does not survive, and then do they even have somewhere to go after that? So it's it's interesting that uh, this is not catching on the way that they thought it would. And, uh, you know, Brooks said he saw some of it, and he said it was a, a terrible broadcast. The, the, the telecasters were terrible, but you said even some of the golf was bad. There's some great golfers that are on the LIV tour right now, but there's also some terrible golfers on the LIV. That probably got paid like $10 million. That are, yeah, exactly. So they're going to have to figure out something. Um, you know, if honestly, if they want to survive, they're going to probably have to figure out a different TV contract than the CW because, again, like you said, nobody thinks about the CW for sports. I, I honestly would not have – I would have never guessed yep. they are on the CW. I, I'd Some never, people don't even know how to get to that channel because no. they're never on it. They're not, it's not a sports I, channel. And, and exactly. You know, unless I'm scrolling through there and happen to see, oh, LIV is on CW? Okay. But if, I, if I'm not thinking about that, I you know, no. Um so yeah, that somebody's gonna have to try to some bigger channel is gonna have to try to pick that up. Uh, you know, whoever has the the PGA contract right now, which I think is still CBS and, and NBC. I mean, and they NBC yeah. they they bounce it. Um, now they do the U.S. Open on Fox still. Or well, no, Fox is get got out of the golf game. Yeah, they ripped okay. that contract up after about two years. Okay, that so that so that so, that, so the Fox yeah. thing in the U.S. Open was is done, so, right? But Fox, that, and there's some ESPN involved too. Yeah. By the ESPN, way, ESPN yeah. is involved in but, some, yeah. But yeah, NBC and actually NBC start, uh, started their coverage last weekend. This is how I know this. Uh, their notable events, they got the players here in a right. couple weeks. They've got the British Open uh, in June, I guess is when that is. They, I think they've got the U.S. Open now, right? And then they've got the the Ryder Cup at the end. Yeah, and see, and that, and the thing is, is that. That really handcuffs uh, what LIV can do because you know, CBS has the rights to the PGA on the main CBS channel, but you wouldn't imagine that CBS would pick them up to have it on CBS Sports. NBC. 
Well, you couldn't and imagine I bet NBC you, with theirs. They're not going to put it on NBC Sports, even because they could be button up ahead in that. ESPN still has their things going with the PGA. Why would ESPN pick it up? Well, and I and I bet you that those the the companies and the stations that have the PGA Tour probably have some sort of handshake agreement with the PGA Tour that they're not going to agree to a deal with Live. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if, if, like I said, they're kind of, they're kind of stuck. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of who, the only thing that I could potentially even think of picking them up would be like a TBS or a TNT. But you see, the thing about it is CBS and Turner are netted together yeah. because they do the is March Madness Viacom? together. I think they all are all Viacom. Yeah. Okay. And so they wouldn't, that would, uh, come into that contract too, where they, they'd be the PGA. Yeah, that's why like, they have hey, the tournament stuff. T- yeah. yeah. They'd say the PGA would come and say, Hey, hey, hey you can't do that. You've, you're right. in contract with us. Which would explain why the LIV tour is, relegated to cw that may be about all they were able to get yeah because like nobody will nobody will touch them because you're out of luck with the major networks because again we just went over the cbs and nbc part fox if fox failed with the u.s open i don't think they're gonna try and spend right. money to save failing live tour and then abc of course is disney so that's like espn there abc's right. not gonna be involved and so you i mean where do you go True, you can't about to joke. True TV, and I mean, that might be a really, yeah. So, uh, Man, that's rough. Did you have a, a word on because well, you did actually watch some of it? This yeah, weekend. well, I you're was one gonna, of the 291,000. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was one of the privileged few that that viewed it. Um, it's, it's they like you said, Tom, they've really it, it they're really live tour when it comes to TV rights is really, really handcuffed because all of the major networks except for Fox, have some sort of tie-in with the PGA somewhere in their company. And so there's not there's not a place in the PGA, as we've seen, is, you know, continue, is uh, uh, up in arms against this Live Golf Tour. And they're not going to want let anything happen uh, like that to come and impede on what they're, you know, trying to put together, and nor should they, because the PGA Tour has, you know, has been around. They've set up their, their tour and standards, and, you know, I, I, I don't blame them. When you when I when you look at you know we were talking about there there's a lot of big names in the in the live tour that went over there there's also a lot of not big names and you know what bring up what you were talking about Tom where everybody's got a sponsorship if you look through and I just did I just looked through both the live live golf's website and PGA Tours website has a, a players tab where you can go and look at all the players that are currently on that tour. And they've all got pictures. You know, they're all sitting their arms crossed. They're you know standing up in golf polos. Every PGA Tour player, everyone on the PGA Tour, either has a hat on with a brand on it, or if you they don't have a hat on, you click on their picture. They've got a shirt with a with a notable brand on it. You go to Live, that's not there. There's not a lot of players. There's a couple players like the big big names like Dustin Johnson still got Taylor made on his hat. Brooks Kepka still decked out Nike, but everybody else there and uh, Bubba Watson's got uh, the ping on his visor. Mostly everybody else is wearing a generic polo with no logos on it, or they're wearing stuff with their team logos on it. Which if, if you've ever dived into Live, everybody competes individually. But you're also on a team going for like a team championship. Bonus, yeah. yeah. And so you're either like Bryson DeChambeau, 
and you think he's got big enough to continue keep his sponsorships. He's got team stuff on. Whatever team he's on, it's like a, a golf ball and tees are on it. it. He's got his team logos. Sergio Garcia's got his team logos on. There's there's not a lot. And we, we heard about this last year when Liv started, that sponsors were pulling out. But it's only the biggest of the big that are in this, the, the Liv, that have seemed to have kept their big sponsors here. Um on on the viewing thing, you know, I, I did tune in, watch it a little bit on on Sunday, just to you know find it. One, I had to. It's go- the first time it was easily or yeah. more easily available. Yeah. First off, I had to Google where the CW was. Didn't know what channel the CW was around here. Uh, went to it, and the broadcast quality. You know, they've got um, uh, what's his name? It's the Scottish golfer. Uh, David Faraday. David Faraday is is one of the color analysts on there. God, I'm so bummed he left for that play. That's just. <laughs> But the the broadcast itself was not great. It was one of those where it, it it kind of felt like it was an adult version of the Nickelodeon, uh, the because uh, you know the Nickelodeon football games that they do for the NFL. They've got all these the fun sl- things for kids. The slime and, zone. Yeah, it, it felt kind of like that because all throughout the broadcast they would you know they had like oh here's what so and so tweeted at you know tweeted at live golf tour on you know, oh i i used the so and so thing to pick out my team and then they would go into you can go to livegolf.com slash whatever and pick out or you know take the quiz to pick out who you should be rooting for uh and then they'd go you know go on with more golf and then they'd go to like oh you know bubba watson's team's named the the range goats let's hear what bubba had to say about why they named themselves the range goats and then it'd be like a three-minute interview with bubba bubba watson about why they named themselves the range goats it wasn't great it wasn't a great product on on tv and that may you know it's it's probably you know the cw sports has never done anything before that i can think of i think this is the the inception of cw sports um, and then the golf wasn't great. Like I flipped between the, uh, you can flip between the Honda Classic, which was this weekend, which didn't have a lot of A-listers on the PGA Tour playing. And this, I don't know if a lot of these guys, I, I think it was Charles Howell won the Live Golf Tour event this weekend. He shot a 15 under, which is very impressive. But I don't think a lot of these guys would have finished well in the Honda Classic against B, you know, some a a couple A listers, but a lot of B C guys on the PGA Tour. They it was not great golf. There was there they were hitting uh, rough. They were hitting into the into the woods. This there was I was telling you guys during the break. There was a, a span where one guy hit it, went left into the woods, said, "All right, let me tee it up again." Same thing went it, almost the exact same place in the woods, and then I think he hit a third one. Went into then they uh, ten minutes. It took it, they hit them and everybody else on that hole were walking around and trying to find this ball in the woods. Uh, they were hitting the water. They were hitting. There was one. I don't remember who it was. Went teed off. Went straight into a bunker. Went to the bunker. Said, "All right, let me. You know, I." Can, they were talking. Oh, he can get it on the green from here. Well, you know where he put it again? More sand. Straight into another bunker. Yeah. It wasn't great golf. It it's and it, I think you we just we were talking about it earlier outside of the studio, uh, Ryan, but you said you described it as they're not playing as much, they're not in as much and they're not practicing as much because why would you? They're you're getting paid millions they're, of dollars and you're like, I'm yeah, only playing every guaranteed. few weeks. Yeah. Because they've got purses with these things, uh, and, and some of the bonuses and stuff for winning and the team competition you talked about, but Part of the reason they left is because they're guaranteed, but more than they pay, made in a whole season on the PGA Tour. Like some of those guys got like fifty million a year, I want to say. And so 
uh, like Dustin Johnson and and DeChambeau and Mickelson and all that, they got paid $50, 70000000 million just to go. Yeah. And so, again, as with any line of work to a degree, what incentivizes you to be great at something when you're guaranteed all the money and, and fame and – well, I won't say fame because these guys are becoming infamous at the moment for doing right. this. But when you're guaranteed all the benefits to you normally winning. You know, and some of these guys are great competitors and they want to win. But obviously, for this group of golfers, the money speaks more than the competition, right? Because sure. that, they, they chose this big payday other than the better competition of the PGA Tour. And to Brooks's point, to give you some numbers behind this, because he's right, the, the Honda Classic was this weekend. It's the beginning of the Florida swing for the PGA right. Tour. And because the Arnold Palmer's coming up, then the players, then there's a World Golf Championship, then the Masters, all in about a six-week span, a lot of the big names set out the Honda Classic. They'll they'll go back again to, to Bay Hill next week. But the Honda Classic uh, drew 2 million viewers. And Liv drew 291,000. And by the way, the other TV show that was hilarious that got more viewers, so again, World's Funniest Animals got more viewers, a rerun of Masters of Illusion. Yeah. A rerun <laughs> got got more viewers than Liv Golf. So that's a hor- as horrendous as it Bad. gets. A .01 rating. CW's normal shows get more <laughs> Than that, right. that 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 are not that popular, not that watched, uh, it pretty much a train wreck for for week one. So, wanted to bring that up because well, the other thing, how how much, I, what was the contract CW signed with them? Because the other thing is, how much longer does CW hang on to it? If it's like, listen, we're not getting viewership and having y'all on here. Uh, we we can we can put world's funniest animals on the CW and do better than with your little golf tournament. So how much how much longer does the CW want to keep trying to hang on to it? So so back in January, it looks like it was just a one year deal. Oh wow! Uh, we'll begin according uh, multi oh multi year contract will begin twenty twenty three with fourteen okay. live golf tournaments. It just says multi year deal. It does not say. Yeah. How long? And a lot of them on tape delayed, tape delayed, because they're all over the world. Right? Yeah. They're not. Uh, they're trying to put them in a prime slot for the U.S., but they're not necessarily all yeah. in the U.S. So, very bad, interesting dynamic. But so far, if you're, if you're a fan of the PGA Tour and you don't like what those guys did, uh, you're you're toasting right now because they are they are not gaining. Yeah, they're not gaining any momentum. In fact, it's quite the contrary. We're about to head to our now just first time out of hour number three. But before we do, we want to once again give you the opportunity to go to Plainsman Park for free. We did this yesterday with the Florida A&M game for Wednesday. Now for the Lipscomb game on Friday. We have four free tickets to Auburn versus Lipscomb inside of Plainsman Park this Friday. That is a 6 o'clock start time. You call in right now, 334-887-3401. Again, 334-887-3401. You can win four tickets to Auburn versus Lipscomb inside of Plainsman Park this Friday night. we got to take a timeout. We'll be back in just a moment.
you want to join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PB, and Brooks Childress with you here today. Talking peeps. And other things. Uh, not just about peeps, about sports as well. Just talked about the tough times already for Live Golf, and they've barely gotten going. Also, I uh, want to remind you, tomorrow we'll have a little bit of a shortened show. Be off there around 5 o'clock. Auburn baseball against Florida A&M will come up. Uh, 5.45 airtime tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, first pitch. And then also, again, Auburn got a three-game series with Lipscomb starting Friday night. Congratulations to Philip for winning those four tickets to that game Friday night. Thanks for listening, Philip. Absolutely. Uh, so really excited about this Auburn baseball team. Off to a, a solid start. Obviously, the weird tie on Sunday. We've been over kind of why that happened and, and travel schedules uh, with USC. Fortunate, as Kevin Ives talked about on yesterday's show, just to be able to get to play that series that USC could uh, make the trip on, on short notice to get to Plainsman Park and, and, and re-plan out that series. So even though the third game ended in very weird fashion, Auburn did blow a big lead in it and, and ultimately tied – uh, just grateful that series did not get canceled overall because all of California, a lot of the country really, uh, had a lot of snow problems, rain problems, just weather problems in general this past weekend. So it was good that Auburn still got two and then did not lose any of the three games. That team playing pretty well at the moment. So a lot of Auburn sports going on. Also Auburn softball tomorrow. They'll go to Troy. Uh, and hopefully uh, no bad weather tomorrow night or Thursday night because I know there's going to be a few thunderstorms around. They get all those games in uh, across the state. We've not really talked specifically about Auburn basketball uh, in the form of the Kentucky game, Brooks, and I know uh, your first uh, show of the week. So uh, if you had any particular thoughts on the Kentucky game or just what you think might happen because you won't be on Wednesday's show tomorrow as we – continue to rotate rotate our cast of characters but just your thoughts on how auburn can shake off their biggest loss in a long time and then go on the road and play an arch rival who happens to be one of the best teams in the country yeah i mean i think the biggest one of the biggest um factors of that that kentucky game it was already it was already trending in the direction of you know Kentucky was going to win the game pretty handily, but when you had two quick fouls in the first half on Janai Broom, and then you got to what was it like really early in the second half, you got up to four fouls quick and had to sit out for a little bit. What was I think it was what thirteen minutes left in the first in the second half, he already was up to four fouls and had to sit down for a little bit. Um, it was. I think that was one of the biggest things because that was your biggest, uh, you know, when you started out the game, it was basically Broom and Sheboy trading buckets. They they went back and forth. That was the that was the start of the game. Um, 
Jalen Williams finished with 13. Janiah Broom finished with 12. Those were the only two Tigers in double digits for that game. Uh, on the other side of things, Kentucky, you had, what, one, two, three, four, four guys in double digits. You had two of those guys. Two 20. Do, yeah, 20. Sheboy had 22, and Reeves had 21. Yep. Um, yeah, Kentucky, I mean, you know, it, it, we talked about it. Kentucky uh, didn't look like themselves to start the year, and especially to start conference play. They looked, you know, just awful. They, they got beat by South Carolina. Yeah, and in, Georgia. In Rupp Arena. Um, and – you, and yeah, got beat by Georgia. You you looked at this team, and Calipari was uh, on, on very much on the hot seat. People were wondering if he was going to survive. The only thing that was keeping him uh, probably from not being fired was that lifetime contract he's he was given a few years back. Uh, and so you you didn't know you know at the beginning of the the, the season and then beginning of conference play you didn't know what to expect from Kentucky. We saw them round into form a little bit and then they took a couple steps back about midway through the the conference season but then uh they they've started to step back up a little bit uh so much so that there's a couple people out there that say they could you know make some noise when it comes to march uh but this was a kentucky team that showed you know why auburn hasn't won at rump arena since the 1980s they they came out they dominated and auburn didn't have an answer after janai broom uh uh, got into foul trouble. There was there was nobody else that could answer Oscar Sheboy and could you know have an impact as uh, that big on on this Auburn offense. It's just you know it, it was a tough one. I, I don't know if anybody saw it coming, but it kind of felt like Auburn didn't you know it, it felt like this performance against Kentucky was what a lot of people expected uh, or expected to happen when Auburn goes to Alabama on Wednesday. Um, now that you know you've seen the last couple games with Alabama, I don't know if Alabama wins the game as handily as I think they would have about a month ago because I think the team's distracted a little bit. I think that they're starting to you know get it, the the season's starting to wear on them a little bit, uh, and then all the the stuff with Brandon Miller surrounding the team. Brandon Miller doesn't seem affected by it, but everybody else on the team, you know, it, it's starting to, the season's starting to wear on them a little bit, and so I I think Auburn can hang in that game in in Tuscaloosa for a little bit. But if you get uh, if you get Janai Broom into some foul trouble again, like the Kentucky was able to do on Saturday, I, I you know I, I'd see it a, a tough path for Auburn to win that game up in Tuscaloosa. It's already a tough path when you're going to face the number two team in the country that has yet to lose a game in Coleman Coliseum this year and has won you know their games by an average. What what did you say earlier? Like twenty something points is their average win. Uh, I thought I saw twenty eight. Twenty eight points is is their average win, and so. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough tomorrow night uh, for this Auburn team to get a win. I think they can hang in it for a little bit. You just got to keep Jani Broom out of out of foul trouble. And I you know I brought up Jalen Williams earlier in the Justin Ferguson interview, and uh, I I apologize for not you know looking making sure that he was at the presser. I know we we got the list of who was going to be at the presser today, and it said Bruce Pearl, Jalen Williams, Wendell Green, but obviously Jalen uh, had to cancel last minute. But I think Jalen is a guy that's got to step up in this game tomorrow. I know we, we've talked about, you know, Wendell's got to have big games. Janai's got to have big games. For for tomorrow night in Tuscaloosa, for Auburn to have a chance, I think that you got to keep Janai Broom out of foul trouble, and you, Jalen Williams needs to step up and have a big game, and especially a big game shooting from beyond the arc. I, I, you're going to have to – this isn't an Auburn team that, cannot, that, is, that relies on the three or needs to shoot a lot of threes, but you're going to have to hit a few tomorrow night if you, if you want to try to beat Alabama. 
It's going to be an uphill battle for sure for Auburn. Uh, I definitely became less confident in this being a close game uh, after seeing the Kentucky game. Definitely still I've always had Alabama winning that one tomorrow night, but now I'm thinking the margin could be a number of things, but most of which not not good for Auburn. Um, A couple other news things here before we go to our final break of the show today. Uh, Cam Martin, former Auburn running back, is now going to join Gus Malzahn's staff at UCF as the running backs coach. So um, very familiar guy to the Tigers there. Uh, Cam Martin getting the starting job there towards the end of his Auburn career. He will be uh, joining Gus Malzahn's staff in the Big 12 for UCF, weird to say. Also in the NCAA as a whole, uh, Mark Emmert's last day was today as NCAA president. Uh, Happy trails. Yeah. Any any positive words for Mr. Emmert on the way out? Anyone? Going once? Going twice? I, I, think, the only oh. po- I think the only positive thing that you can say is he left, sit, left stuff in, in such a bad way that there's a lot to correct. Set set up the next guy for some successes. Set, it set can only the, go up. Set the next guy up for some success. And maybe maybe whoever the next guy can actually get the NCA with a little more teeth and uh try to try to rein in some of this NIL stuff that is just just going crazy. I mean, I, I think eventually the NCA's gotta step up and do something about that and, instead of just allowing a free for all. And then there, there's got to be some rule changes. Uh, still, uh, you know, certain rule changes they're still trying to make, but I think they're still missing out on some major ones that players, coaches, and fans want. That they just that like mainly like with targeting and all that, and some other things that I, I think can be fixed. So whoever comes in and takes that over, I think is, uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that they can do to fix because it's broke right now. Well, he essentially, he, he let the genie out of the bottle with NIL, uh, did not offer much in the way of solution, no. and then left. <laughs> yep. And that was out. Uh, so uh, he did not, in, in that sense, he just kind of created more of a mess than yeah, he uh, you already needed. You, you needed some sort of planned rollout, and it became a free-for-all, and now we, we it's, a, it's even more of a you talking point than it would right. have been because there's just no... There's just no telling what all is going on. Well, everywhere. Yeah, well and that's the thing. Is, yeah, there's no telling because now you don't even know if can you fix that. Is, is the NIL now to a point that is unfixable? Uh, I personally, I personally think that there's things that the NCAA can do that, to crack down on schools and sure, it just but requires but, a foot coming down. Oh, exactly. Well, that's tough. the thing. They've got to grow a city. They've got to grow some fangs and actually do the dadgum thing instead of just sitting there. Uh, patty caking with it, just like they did before NIL, when everybody and their brother knew that certain teams were doing stuff shady, and the NCAA wouldn't even touch them for various reasons. And it's like, come on now, and that. But then you're going to you know levy allegation or levy some stuff against somebody for some minor stuff, but you won't even touch major things that are happening right in front of you. The fact that people and and conference officials are saying. Congress has to do something about the NIL instead of the NCAA has to do something about the NIL shows you where we are at that situation. It shows you many, many mistakes were made. Uh, So good riddance. Mr. Mark Emmerich, his last day as the president of the NCAA is today. We are out of time for this segment, almost out of time for the show today. When we come back, a nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will conclude this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. 
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Final couple minutes of sports call today. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy. It's been a fun one. Again, tomorrow will be a shortened one. Around 5 o'clock, we'll get off the air tomorrow. We don't know at this point we'll have a show Friday, which is always great for the planning. Um, we do know that Friday we will not talk about peeps, more than likely. Yeah, no promises. Uh, so just stay tuned. Uh, we'll try and update you, but it really kind of depends on what happens with Auburn women's basketball Thursday night. So... Uh, we may or may not have a show Friday, so we may or may not be halfway through the week as of two minutes from now. But before we end today's show, it's time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? Oh, we got a lot of basketball on tonight, so I'm not giving you any movie picks for this evening. You got to watch basketball. <laughs> I'm not giving you any other options. Don't watch movies, watch hoops. That's right. Honestly, what do most people call basketball? It's the movie on the hardwood. Ah, okay. Never I don't heard know. That. I don't know if any, any, anybody but me calls it that. Six o'clock ESPN leading off the night. NC State takes on the Dookie Boys. Uh, like I said, six o'clock ESPN. Six o'clock on ESPN two. Iowa visits number fifteen Indiana. Also at six o'clock on ESPN U. Boston College visits Wake Forest. Seven thirty on FS one. Villanova visits Seton Hall. 8 o'clock tonight across the ESPN networks. ESPN, it's Texas Tech visiting Kansas. ESPN 2, Arkansas visits Tennessee. And ESPN U, Texas A&M visits Ole Miss. Then round out your college basketball evening at 9.30 on FS1 as Fresno State visits New Mexico. And then there's a pair of NBA action if you're more of a professional guy. Uh, 6.30 TNT tonight, the Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron James visit the Memphis Grizzlies. And then at 9 o'clock, round out your evening with the Minnesota Timberwolves coming off a loss to the Golden State Warriors on Sunday. They visit another Los Angeles team, the Clippers. So you have the Lakers on early, then the Clippers on late. So if you're a Los Angeles sports fan, your night is made. And that is a look at your night at TV Guy brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Well, now, aren't, aren't you, if a Clippers fan, you hate the Lakers and vice versa? Is that correct? Or do you, you just like just be, L.A.? You could just be an L.A. guy, you okay. know? You could be. I guess it's uh, different than New York, because, like, New York, if you're a Yankees fan, you hate the Mets. If, yeah, you're, it's if, just if, you're wake Knicks, me up. if you're a Knicks fan, you hate the Nets. Yeah, yeah, it's just wake me up when the Clippers make a single NBA Finals. Just <laughs> just a singular one. Uh, so, anyway, uh, that will do it for the show today. Brooks, thank you for being here, sir. Yes, sir. And, Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here. And we thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on the show today. And we thank all those who tuned in and called in. And thank you, peeps. And thank you, peeps. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.